Now, as we trek through Joseph's story, we come to the house of Potiphar, where he tries to do the right thing, but faced with sexual temptation, he gets into a whole heap of trouble. Now, you won't need me to convince you about how relevant this topic is in the age that we live. Sexual temptation is everywhere. It's bold and it's in your face. What used to be hard to find, what people used to go out and have to look for, now comes to our screens. Whether we hold the screen in our hand or whether it's stuck on our wall or even in a movie theatre, and it comes to our screens without any effort. What's considered the norm by many today would appall previous generations and shocks us. Here's an example. In an essay called The Loves, Sheldon Vanuken describes how a Christian friend named John came up to him one day and, and shocked him by saying he was leaving his wife. And John explained uh, to Vanuken that the sudden change of heart was, well, it just seemed so good. It just seemed so right. That's when we knew we had to get divorces and we belonged to each other. Soon after, Vanukat had a conversation with another friend, Diana, who left her husband for another man. And she said basically the same sort of thing. It just seemed so good and right with Roger that I knew that it would be wrong to stay with Paul. And as the writer goes on to explain that John and Diana were invoking a higher law, this feeling of it being good and right just swept away all their loyalty to their spouse and families. And and I suppose many of us have heard this sort of thing. And we've heard this before, haven't we? You know, unfortunately there will be people here who've had friends or relatives who have said this sort of thing. And we've seen marriages crumble in the face of sexual temptation. Now, John was a Christian who wasn't looking to be unfaithful, but it kind of hit him out of the blue. And with some people, it's like that. You know, they're not looking, but then it just happens. And it can happen in the workplace or in social settings. Uh, We can be tempted online or with social media. Sometimes it comes out of the blue, but sometimes we look for it. And we wonder where it will end. We wonder who will be next and whether it's us and whether we can stand and be faithful to the living God. And this is where Joseph's story is both practical and helpful. I mean, Joseph was tempted day after day in a situation that would have been so easy to give up on, but he didn't. If Joseph can do this without Christ in his life, then how about we, who are Christ followers? Surely we should be able to stand up against this sort of temptation. So this morning, as we look at Joseph's story, we're going to look at uh, three things. We're going to look at what temptation is. We're going to look about how to resist temptation, and we're going to look how to be motivated to resist temptation. So what temptation is, how to resist temptation, how to be motivated to resist temptation. And then we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 39. And remember, Joseph's been sold into slavery. Chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Betrayed and abandoned. Joseph was 17, maybe 18, no more, and he finds himself a captive and enslaved. We can only imagine how he felt towards his brothers who had sold him. 
can only imagine how much he missed his father. We can only imagine what he thought of God, who had given him all these dreams about wonderful things, and then where was God now when he was a slave? However, and meanwhile, though Joseph felt betrayed and abandoned, God was at work. Verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. In verse 6, So Potiphar left in Joseph's care everything he had. With, that, with Joseph in care, Potiphar did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, normally a slave would go straight out into the field or similar hard manual labour, long hours in the hot sun facing high rates of illness, accident and even death. Life was short for a slave in the fields. But Joseph has God's hand on him and so he finds himself not only in the household but quickly rising through the ranks until he becomes the personal assistant, the PA of the master. Not only does he have the whole household to run, but the whole estate, including finances. Joseph finds himself second only to Potiphar and to Potiphar's wife. Now, how can this be? Why is this? How can Joseph reach the top of the ladder so quickly? Because the Lord was with him. Though he felt abandoned, the Lord was with Joseph. Four times in this chapter we're told that Joseph had the Lord with him, and this is why he was successful. Why four times? To make it absolutely crystal clear that God was working out his great plan, a wonderful meanwhile. So when the plan comes together, God gets the glory. Not Joseph, because we think he's a clever young man. Not the brothers or the family, not the Pharaoh, nor the nation of Egypt. No, it's God's plan by God's hand for God's glory. But after this wonderful start, this God-directed rise, Joseph finds himself in big trouble. Big trouble in the form of a powerful woman and the art of seduction. Verse 6, the second half. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. And so uh, we pause here and, and think, well, what is temptation? And here we have a prime example. We don't need to go much further than Joseph's situation. A couple of dictionary definitions are helpful. Temptation is the wish to do or have something that we know we should not do or have. Another definition. Temptation is a desire to engage in short-term urges for enjoyment that threaten long-term goals. Now, do these apply to Joseph? Well, they certainly do. Joseph knew it was wrong to sleep with his master's wife. He also knew any short-term enjoyment would be followed by serious punishment, even death at the hands of a powerful and angry husband. But we can dig deeper still. I mean, what's behind this temptation? And not just this temptation, but every temptation. What general principles are in play here? 
that we can apply when we're tempted, not just in the areas of our sexuality, but in other areas like money or friendship or in the work environment. Well, to answer this, to get to the the in-depth general principles behind temptation, we need to go back to the very first temptation. So where would I go to look at the very first temptation? Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, exactly right. We go back to the parents of all humankind, to a very special garden and a very crafty snake, a serpent. Given free run in paradise in a world without stain or blemish, Adam and Eve have just one restriction, not to eat from two special trees. Now one day Eve is admiring one of these special trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when the serpent speaks. Did God really say you must not eat from any of the tree in the garden? And Eve explains that all of the trees are theirs to eat from except for one. And so the Satan, so Satan follows up with a lie. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And Eve believes this lie. The sin and death now enter God's perfect creation. But from this temptation, we see the pattern that then is with all other temptations. And the pattern goes something like this. God is not really good. God is holding something back from you. You deserve this. Take it. If you analyse all temptations, then that's the pattern that lies behind them. God's not really good. He's holding something back that you deserve. Take it. And so for Eve, Satan says, if God was really good, he wouldn't hold back this delicious fruit with its special powers. You deserve this. Take it. And for Joseph, Satan says, if God was really good, you wouldn't be a slave. He's holding back all sorts of things from you. Joseph, go on. You deserve this. Take it. And for a husband of 20 years attracted to a colleague at work, the lie is something like this. If God was really good, you'd be a lot happier in your marriage. God's holding back. Go on. You deserve this. Take it. And if you analyse all temptations, that's how they work. God's not really good. He's holding back finances from you. Nobody at work will find out if you fiddle the books. Go on. You deserve this. Take it. And that's the pattern. That's the pattern we need to look out for. How does Joseph get on? And we've looked at temptation. We know it from experience. We've seen it here in scriptures. How does Joseph get on? Does he resist or give in? Does he refuse or does he take it all? Does he give a firm no or is he keen and crosses that boundary? Verse 8 is short and sweet, but he refused. He refused. Joseph resisted and stayed firm. He did the right thing. And by doing so, he then goes on to show us how we too can resist temptation. How we can resist temptation. In his reply to Potiphar's wife, he lays down three principles that we can apply in the face of temptation. 
And the first thing is that Joseph says, if I give in to temptation, I will break trust. Verse 8. Everything my master owns, he has entrusted to my care. Potiphar had put great faith in Joseph, great faith to run the house and his estates and to respect the boundaries. And Joseph had a choice to break the trust or not. And he chose not to break that trust. And it's the same with us. People trust us to do the right thing. For a husband who's tempted to have an affair at work, his boss trusts him. His boss trusts him to do the right thing. Because in the work environment, fears always end in tears and loss of productivity. They just don't go well. But more importantly, his wife trusts this husband. His children trust him. The wider family and friends. So the first thing we do when we want to resist temptation is to realise and ponder the trust that we will break if we give in. Secondly, we say no to temptation because it shatters relationships. My master has withheld nothing from me. Nothing. If I break this trust, my relationship with my master will be shattered, destroyed and never the same again. Joseph refuses to destroy his relationship. Now for a husband tempted to have a workplace affair, relationships hang in the balance. If the husband gives in, relationships, especially that to his wife and children, will be shattered and destroyed and never the same again. I mean, even if there's reconciliation, and of course we, we know there's some good news stories of people's relationship, husband and wife's relationship that's been shattered by unfaithfulness but then restored, but still something is lost. Giving into temptation shatters relationships. And finally, it is against God. Verse 9, Joseph says, How then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Now this needs a little bit of unpacking. I mean, We understand that sleeping with Potiphar's wife is a sin against Potiphar and a betrayal of trust. But isn't it between the three of them, the husband and the wife and the outsider? But no, it's not just between the three of them. Because when we sin, we sin against God first and others second. And it's something that many of us conveniently forget. I mean, the Ten Commandments include do not commit adultery. So if we do commit adultery, we sin against God first and secondly, the people directly affected. And our New Testament reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is very helpful here, and we haven't got time to go into that, but basically Paul is teaching the church to avoid sexual immorality. Paul is saying, do not copy the behaviour of your neighbours. Follow God's principles. And to drive the seriousness of this home, he writes, therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but rejects God. When we sin against each other, we sin against God first, then the others. When we reject God's command, we reject God himself. Joseph knew this and refused to sin against God by sleeping with his master's wife. So here are the three reasons why Joseph said no to temptation, because giving in would break trust, shatter relationships, and would be a sin against God. Now what happens next? Joseph resisted, he said no, he's done the right thing. Will life get back to normal? 
Will Potiphar's wife let it go? Does temptation pack its bags and leave the building or not? Verse 10. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. Day after day. This is serious stuff. And unfortunately, this is often the way with temptation. We may be very successful the first time we resist temptation, or nine times out of ten, or 99 times out of 100. But temptation has a habit of coming back, and it takes only one exception to fall a great distance. So this brings us to the third area we want to have a look at. What is temptation? Uh, How do we avoid temptation or resist it? And thirdly, how can we be motivated to resist temptation, especially in the face of day-to-day ongoing temptation. Well, a warning and an encouragement from the Word of God. A warning, a finger-waving, stern warning from the minister to his people and to himself. Malachi chapter 2. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. A very clear instruction from the word of God. So that's the warning. Now for an encouragement, an open-handed, warm invitation from our Heavenly Father. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. May you be ever captivated by her love. Proverbs 5, 18 to 19. Now I know not everyone's here is married but a number of us are. And so for those married, I want you to remember back to when you were first married, to the husband or the wife of your youth. And you may have been in your 20s or your 50s when you were married. Remember back to when you were engaged in those first months or a year or so when you were married. Remember the delight you had in your spouse. Remember those times And in the face of temptation, hold on to those times. Cultivate the love in your marriage. Do not let it go cold just because the decades have passed. This is the best way to protect your marriage against sexual temptation. Who is interested in a greasy steak sandwich when you have a delightful three-course meal at home? I mean, it's old wisdom, isn't it? But it's true, so true. However, Joseph wasn't married, was he? And there are some people here that are not married. And so there's another way that we can resist temptation, another weapon to add to our arsenal for everyone, whether you are single and married. And it's tied up with Joseph's response to Potiphar's wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Let's unpack that a little bit. What's happening here? Joseph knew God and he loved God. He was in awe of his heavenly father. He had great respect for God, a holy fear for God. Joseph knew this. He had a delight in God and this was how he was able to resist temptation in exactly the same way that Jesus was able to resist temptation. Remember, immediately after Christ's baptism, what happened? The Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness and Satan came and tempted him there. 
And we've only time to look at one of those temptations, the last one in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 to 10. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And Jesus stood firm. Why? Though tempted time and time again, he knew that if he gave in, he would betray God's trust. He would destroy his relationship with his heavenly Father and he would be sinning against the God of the universe. How could he do such a thing when he had that close, loving relationship with his Father? A relationship of warmth, a relationship of mutual care and concern, of awe and respect. Christ's heart was captivated by his heavenly Father and so Jesus stood firm. And he stood firm time and time again when Satan tempted him in Gethsemane and before Pilate. And not only was Jesus tempted time and time again, but he was accused. Imagine that. Imagine being tempted and not giving in and being innocent and then having someone accuse you. And of course, this is what's happened to Joseph. Time and time again, Joseph did the right thing. He resisted the advances of Potiphar's wife until alone she caught him by his cloak. Come to bed with me, she said. But wrenching himself away, he ran out of the house, leaving his cloak in her hands. Hysterically, Potiphar's wife screamed, accusing Joseph to his servants. And then later, in the cool and calculating and callous manner, Potiphar's wife accused Joseph to her husband. And lie upon lie was piled up until Joseph was thrown into the deepest, darkest dungeon and left to rot. And so it was also with Christ, who was tempted and accused. He was tempted and never gave in, yet he was accused and lie upon lie was piled up upon Christ. On the night of his betrayal, he was accused before the Jewish leaders. On that very first Good Friday, early in the morning before Pilate, he was accused. He was accused before the crowds. On the cross, he was mocked and accused until Christ finally cried, It is finished! And that great and wonderful innocent but accused gave up his last breath. And so, when we face temptation, whether it's sexual or any other kind, let us remember to stand firm, to resist, to say no. Why? Because giving in to temptation breaks trust, shatters relationships and is against God. And we can know this in our head. You know, We can know this in our head. But the key of being a Christian is to get these truths into our hearts. I mean, that's how we can resist day after day, by delighting ourselves and be captivated by a great love. And for those of us who are married, that great love is with our spouse, the spouse of our youth. But for all of us, whether we're married or not, there's a true and a greater love. And it's to be captivated by the great delight that Jesus has for us. Our Saviour, who was tempted and though innocent, accused. And there on the cross, though innocent, Christ was able to call upon all the legions of the angels to come and get him from the cross, but he gave up everything for you and I so that we could be faithful and be the delight of our Father's heart. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honour you 
In all I do, I honour you. Let's pray.